Grace Baptist Church, and so I'm, I'm super excited to have him here. Uh, he now works at AMG International, uh, helping with uh, mission missions there, and so we'll talk more about that a little bit later, but I'm very excited to have Ken and his wife here, and uh, hopefully we can all make them feel very welcome, and God will use them in our lives. But I want to invite you just to take uh, first a, a moment of quiet prayer. I know that this is not super traditional for churches to take a time of quiet prayer, but I, I think it's important because my fear is that, that we would just be a mere audience to something happening up here on this stage rather than the miracle happening in your hearts. And so what I, what I want you guys to do is just go ahead and take one, maybe two minutes that, that you'll just go ahead and talk to God. If you have any lingering sin that you're clinging on to, this is the time you can say, God, I want you to have it. I, I'm, I know I need to let go of that sin. It's yours. I will turn from it. If you want to give God thanks for the work he's doing in your life or invite him to, to, to work in your life today, you can do that now. So let's just take one, maybe two minutes to talk to God quietly, and then I'll close us in prayer. Father God, we come before you, each and every one of us, as those who do not deserve your favor. Each and every one of us, in, in so many different ways, have rebelled against you, sinned against your authority, and failed to worship your glory. And yet here we stand coming before your throne confident because we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we know that Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, bore our sins, bore our shame, and covers us with his righteousness. And God, we are so thankful for that because we get to know you, we get to love you, we get to worship you, we get to serve you, God because of what you've done through Jesus. And even what we get to experience here on this earth is just a foretaste of the exceedingly great promises you give us for eternity, forever. God, would you help us today to truly worship you? As, as Douglas leads us in song, let us uh, not just go through the motions, but let our hearts be lifted up to you, God. As we hear Ken come and, and speak to us in a little while, Lord, let us hear from your word. Let us be um, excited about what you're doing in the world. And God, help us to see how, how we can be a part of it. Help us to see how we can cling to your promises, God. 
And Lord, when we leave this place today, let us be different. Let us make a difference in this world because of what you've done through Jesus and because of what you do in us and through us and what you will do for us for eternity, God. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys can go ahead and stand up. Good morning. Good to see all of your smiling faces. Uh, Dave is he's out this week. He asked me to leave. He's probably on Zoom. Hi, Dave. If he's not, then I just said hi to no one. But that's okay. Um, Ken is going to be speaking this morning a little about a little bit about uh, Abraham, and uh, he was faithful even through all that he went through because he trusted in God and trusted in uh, I guess future citizenship or whatever you want to call it. So we're going to sing when we all get to heaven first. Um, there's one line in here that always just makes me smile. Uh, just one hymn, just one glimpse of him and glory will the toils of life repay. I mean, if you can't put a smile on your face with that line right there, one day, all of this that we're dealing with, we're going to see Jesus. And if that doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't, I don't know what will. So as we sing this song, uh, just really concentrate on these words. And let's, let's worship together. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place when we all get to start that verse over. I apologize. <laughs> Son, if you don't mind going back to the very first of that one. <clears throat> you know, when people are singing different lines than you, it's kind of weird up here, but that's okay. So is it going to be while we walk the pilgrim pathway, or does it start with let us then be true and faithful? You know what? You have hymnals in front of you. Hymn 514, please. We're going to start on verse 2. It seems as though I pulled up the wrong PowerPoint. A thousand apologies. Hymn number 514 <clears throat> should be when we all get to heaven. If it's not, you guys can just listen to me sing. <clears throat> just kidding. I want us to worship together. So hymn 514, when we all get to heaven, we're going to start with verse 2. All right, here we go. While we Rejoicing that will be 
streets of gold when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus we'll sing and shout the victory amen what a wonderful song we're all going to be there one day going to be amazing. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Always only for my King. Take silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my God, this song is just wonderful to think about him on his throne. And he's not worried about what's going on down here. He's not scared about what's going to happen next. He is on his throne. He is in control. And he loves us. <clears throat> Who has held the oceans in his hands? 
to the Lord. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of His words? Who can teach the God eternal, humble to the grave, Jesus Savior, risen now to reign. Behold our God, seated on his throne, come let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. Lord, we thank you so much for that, that thought, that vision in our mind right now of you on your throne. 
and us bowing in, in humility toward you, seeing what your son did for us. Uh, please help us this morning um, as Ken comes and, and preaches, Lord. Speak to us through his word, through your word, um, and let it change our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and uh, join me up here. Just want to do a moment of uh, just sort of introducing this guy that only some of you know, uh, from what I understand, uh, <laughs> that you guys might know him. So, Ken, let me ask you from our time at Grace, you remembering me in youth, you guys just, I want you to imagine this. I'm there, he's there, there's a halo over my head. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yep, that, that's what that's what he remembers. Did exactly, you did exactly. you expect that that I would become a pastor one oh, day? Of course. Of it course. was like I was looking and going, oh the top top ten. Top for ten, sure. yeah. <laughs> what he means to say is I am merely a demonstration of God's mercy Amen. and grace that has multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. From my point of view, uh, I was worried about messing around and getting in trouble uh, when I was in youth. I don't know how he remembers it. You know, I remember it. You know, from my point of view, and I remember him having to send me to my parents and stuff like that. So they're not here today, so you won't have to do that. <laughs> you have to call them. Was, uh, was there a jumping out of a window incident? That was call? in high school. That I, wasn't I actually in it. youth, but yeah, man, that's crazy. You, you guys remember that stuff. Anyways, um, <laughs> stuff. yeah, I did get a Saturday work crew for that, um, <laughs> for jumping out a second-story window. Anyways... Um, and, but, you know, he taught me lots of things. And one thing I remember is a special story that he told us in song. Uh, it, it was very heart-wrenching. He told us about this cow he had named Betsy. And Betsy, he loved her so. so. And one day he couldn't find Betsy. He looked and he searched, he searched, and he could not find Betsy anywhere. But then finally he found Betsy for four ninety nine a pound. That's how... This song ends. Beautiful gotta, song for kids. You can say you got you got to do some mental math there of how he found and what shape he found Betsy if he found her for four ninety nine a pound. <laughs> no, I remember uh, again, you know, at, at my youth age where I was more worried about just you know looking cool and being stupid. Um, he he was sowing seeds uh, in my life of of truth and things that I know that when after God was grabbing a hold of my heart, people would, would say, well, don't, what about this verse? And I, and I could like say the verse to them, you know, I'd say, yes. I, I, and, and they'd be like, well, don't you know what that means? And it was, it was just such a, an impactful thing that there were these verses, there were these truths in me that God was just waiting for the right time to uncover, to unfold in my life, even though I was suppressing those things for so long. So I am thankful uh, to you for your work and, and labor. And I made it labor and toilsome uh, for him. So uh, you're, you're at AMG International I now. How, yeah. how long have you been there? Since 2009. 2009, very yeah, cool. Uh, what's your role there? I lead short-term missions trips. Very cool. What's your most rewarding aspect of, of uh, what you do, do you think? Wow, um, getting to know new people yeah. and watching them uh, use their gifts and their abilities in some other country and then going back home and start getting excited about using them in their home yes, church. Yes, very good. So, That's awesome. Yep. And short-term missions, like I, I see that as a big thing. I, th I, by the way, I think, and I know you would agree with me, short-term missions can be a dangerous thing 
uh, because people can use them as like a vacation to go see these poor little people in their other little country and we're the the western saviors because we have a little more money Uh, but god can use short-term missions in powerful ways to show hey that that poor little person you're just like them and you need the gospel just as much as them and they need the gospel and so what can we do to share it with them so i think short-term missions has a powerful uh, effect on us of opening our eyes to the world and the universal need for jesus christ in the lives of everyone so i think it's super cool uh what you do there and I'm, i'm thankful for your for your ministry uh, with, with with COVID and stuff, I know that probably threw a wrench in Just short-term missions. H- how's that gone for you? I went from uh, 2019, seven missions trips, uh, to 2020, two missions trips, to 2021, one mission trip. Yeah. And so far this year, I've only been on two. Um, just returned from my second one not too long ago. So it's, it's hopefully it's moving back that way. Right. But people are afraid about traveling. Um, sure. People are afraid about getting stuck. We had somebody get stuck in the country for two solid weeks after their trip. Oh, wow. So you take a two-week trip and it ends up being four weeks. That's kind of hard to do. Sure. So people get excited about, get a little nervous about that. Yeah. But no, it makes sense. And I, I just say that, uh, you know, for us just to be aware, like, uh, COVID has been hard for a lot of us with our jobs, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, some businesses have closed down and things like that. Uh, for our church, it has certainly been difficult. But even even missions and things, it has uh, been, been very difficult. Uh, but, you know, as you said, things are, you know, slowly turning around and, uh, we trust that God's sovereign through it all. And, you know, God evidently wanted that many missions trips, (laughs) missions trips to happen those years. Yeah. For whatever reason. And, uh, I've certainly seen that even in our church of like, okay, this is a time to reevaluate what we're doing, why we're doing it and making sure that Christ is at the center and just always refining, um, and so, yeah, I, again, I think, I'm, I think what you're doing is, is so great, and I'm so thankful for it. And um, I think I'm going to leave you to, to now talk to, to my friends here, let's if, do it. if you don't mind. Well, let's all, all, all listen to um, my, my friend Ken here. I'm going to just say a short prayer, and, and then we'll, we'll allow him to speak. Father God, again, we are so thankful for what you're doing. We're thankful for what you're doing uh, in this world, uh, in, in Ringgold, in Chattanooga. God, we're thankful for the ways you're using AMG and the ways you're using Ken and his uh, team there. And God, we pray that you would use him even today uh, to speak truths into our life, our lives from your word, and that we would cling to those, God, that we would believe them and live in light of them, God. Empower him and empower all of us to, to listen and learn as well. Amen. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jeff. I did want to tell you just some, a quick, I did bring some things from AMG. Um, although AMG Mysteries, which is what my portion of AMG is, uh, kind of got shut down as a result of COVID, AMG on the other side, because we work with nationals reaching their own people, really wasn't affected much at all. And so we were um, excited about the fact that God has um, really, um, from giving standpoints, God has blessed us from our ministry standpoints, God has blessed us, although our ministry impacts out there, we saw many, many people experiencing food issues and struggles. Our nationals were in, in country ministering to those people there, and so that was a blessing. I do have some information I want to tell. We have a bundles program, and if you want, I, I would love to tell you guys more about this stuff, but I don't want to be a big commercial. But I do want to tell you I got information about our bundles program, which is our Christmas program, how we get gifts to the children. Um, and I have some, excuse me, uh, we do child sponsorship, which is what AMG does. And so I know you guys are familiar with AMG for a couple reasons. We've got some workers that work here or work there that are here. 
Thanks, Connie. Thanks, Susan. Um, and some, we have some former workers that are here, and we have some uh, people that have come through here. You guys, how many, let me ask you this. How many of you have been on a uh, mission with Poplar Springs to, to uh, Balanyab? Anyone here? Okay, good. Wonderful. So you guys know exactly what we do, and I appreciate you guys being part of it. I'm sorry that I was not part of your team. I would have loved to have been, but uh, you guys had some pretty good leaders that could take you along without me. So that works pretty good. I want to encourage you as we talk today, I'm going, so I'm going to talk from the perspective of um, some of my teams and what we do. And I was looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, and I will have to use glasses because I can't read without them anymore. It's just funny. I was telling somebody else, I just recently upped my um, prescription reading glasses. And, and so now I can read stuff really well. But when I stand up like this, I can't see anything out there. So I'm back to the old ones. So if I start reading something funny and you go, that doesn't make sense, it's probably because my glasses are the old glasses. But anyway. Uh, but I do want to, let me see if this thing will advance. It does. Let's see, where are we? Okay. We're ready. We're apparently having some issues this morning, right? I want to ask you guys a question. What's the difference between a citizen and a foreigner? What's the difference between a citizen and a foreigner? I take my teams on mission. You got to answer. Go ahead. I love that, dude. Like, I, that was one of my struggles. I told my wife, my problem is I'm not a preacher. I'm a small group leader. You guys are my small group today. So if you have something, what is the difference between a citizen and a foreigner? Do you know? No? I'm sure you do. You met some foreigners, right? Anyway. Uh, I, it's funny, but I take my teams on mission. And I have yet to have a team member go out and look for a job on a trip that I'm taking. They don't, they don't go and, and, and uh, check out the, the, you know, the, the real estate market and say, you know, something, hey, I want to see what, what's the housing look like in Guatemala. I mean, I, here I am in Balanya, I'm visiting, I'm seeing some people, and maybe I can buy a house and move in. They don't, they don't look for jobs. They don't buy houses, right? They don't join the local churches, they don't run for political office. I haven't had a team member come down with me and bring a bunch of signs with them so they can post them up all over wherever we're going so they can run for office in the country we're visiting. It wouldn't make any sense, right? They don't join the military, right? I do encourage my team members when we go to engage the culture, to look at things, to learn. Matter of fact, that's one of the greatest things we can actually do because oftentimes, and I, um, Jeff kind of hit on it, we get perceived as experts when we go places. Just showing up in some other country as an American, people look at you and like, ah, you must know what you're talking about. And I will tell you, if you take a trip with me and I walk through the training with you guys, I would be delighted to tell you all kinds of stories of stupid things we did. So we thought we were intelligent, we were smart, um, but yet we were not very bright. One of my favorites really is when, and I'll just throw you this one at you real quick, wasn't on my paper, but here we go. Um, I went on a trip with Grace many, many years ago, and we went to, we went to Puerto Rico, right? And uh, we're, we're working on um, cutting, taking down some trees and stuff. And, and this old guy, oh, I mean old guy, he had to be in his 50s at least. I, I'm 50, that's why I say it. No, I'm just kidding. He was an old guy, right? Comes walking up and he's got this machete. And I'm standing there with a power chainsaw, all gassed up and ready to go. My teenager's ready to go. And he walks up with a machete, says, you'd like to help me? I'm looking at him like, what in the world, man? I got a chainsaw. Yeah, okay, you can help me. You work over there, and I'll work over here. This was back, back in my youth when I was much more intelligent. And I'd gotten dumber, apparently. My kids tell me that I guys will get older. Some of you guys experienced that. Um, 
But I, I got this chainsaw, and so sure enough, we get, we get working, and I'm working at this chainsaw, and the kids are waiting for me to cut the tree down. And I'm looking over there, and there's this guy, and he is flying through the wood. I mean, chop, 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 grab a piece of sword off, chop, chop, chop. I'm like, what in the world? Well, here I am, sure enough, thinking I'm intelligent because I'm using a chainsaw on wet wood, and it's not working very good, right? I'm not the expert. I don't know any better, right? I'm a, I'm a foreigner. I don't belong here. The citizens say, hey, here's the best way to do this. So we learn to go and we engage the culture. But I remind my people as we go, and it's pretty simple. You're not from here. You don't belong here. We're strangers. When people, when we go places, people look at us and recognize you're not from around here. They realize that really quickly. It doesn't take long for them to recognize. But the question would be is if we took, most of my trips are 10 days to 14 days long. What happens if we stayed for a year? What if we stayed for two years, five years? What if we weren't even sure how long we would stay? The truth is, we would still always be foreigners, right? No matter how long we stay, we're not a foreigner. And this is a concept that the Bible has to say that tells us a lot about it. If we look in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and pilgrims to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Abstain from the passions of the flesh because you are sojourners and pilgrims. This, uh, Peter tells us you're, you don't belong here. Jesus himself said in John chapter 17, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. We're not from this world. John 1, 1 John tells us, be careful not to love the world. Don't love the world or the things that are in the world, right? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James 1.27 says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep yourself, keep oneself, unstained from the world. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, that our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, for we await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. My question as I ask you guys, as I talk to you guys, as we think about foreigners and citizens, are you citizens of this world or are you foreigners in this world? If you are a believer, and I don't want to make the assumption, but if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you've accepted his righteousness in your own behalf. If you've accepted the fact that he took God's wrath on himself, you are a citizen of heaven. So the question is, what does it mean to live as a citizen of heaven? How do we live as foreigners and strangers in this world. What does that look like practically? And I think this is where we step into Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bibles with you, verses 8 through 10 we're going to look at today. And it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In this passage, we're going to see four things that Abraham did that enabled him to live as a foreigner in this world. And I want to challenge us to do the same thing. Verse, let's start with verse 8. It says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. The first thing I see Abraham doing is abandoning home. He abandoned home. 
God called him, said it's time to go. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, God has called you to abandon this world. He left the comforts of home. He packed up his stuff and he left. He left the familiarity of his home, his family. He left them as well. He left the safety and security of home. He went out not knowing where he was going. Right? He lived by faith each and every day, not knowing what the next step was. This is what God has called us to do. In Ephesians chapter 4, we've been, to, we've been told in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, it says, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of your calling. Walk a worthy in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. Walk in a way that's worthy of the calling. What calling have you received? What calling have we, been re- have we received? The calling to follow Christ. Right? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 says it this way, but you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conduct, that's that abandoning what is natural, this old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Our natural man desires the things of this world, desires to stay in this world, tries to live in this world, to function as a citizen of this world. But we've been challenged, we've been called to put that off and live according to our citizenship, which is in heaven. If you've accepted the righteousness of Christ on your behalf, you've repented of your sin and believe in Christ as the payment of your sin, you've been called to put off this world and walk in newness of life. To abandon what was normal, comfortable, natural in your old self, you're no longer of this world. We must focus on the reality that we're no longer citizens of this world. God has called us, and here it is, he's paid for us to be citizens of the new world. You can become a citizen in another country if you want to. It costs money and time and effort. We have people all the time coming to the U.S. to become citizens. And when they do it legally, they come in and they pay the price and they do the work that's necessary. All that stuff has been done for us. Our citizenship isn't something we can earn, isn't something we work for, it is something that is given to us in Christ. It's such an exciting truth. So just like Abraham, by faith, we must accept that we're no longer of this world, our flesh no longer has control over us, we are of another world and must live as representations of that world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us we're ambassadors to this world. Much like my team members, when we go, they pack their stuff, they, get in there, they bring a little bit of things to some other place, and we live somewhere else as foreigners. When they see us, they see Americans. It doesn't take long. When they see us, they recognize you're not from around here. Matter of fact, um, I've been, uh, and some of you guys probably picked up on this, uh, I came to Chattanooga back in 1996. Um, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is a little bit up north. Um, and so there's a lot of people around here that still don't recognize me as a southerner, right? I've been here a long time, but I've yet to have somebody go, man, well, actually, that's not, that's not true. I was, in, I was in Antigua one time in Guatemala, and a lady came up to me, and she goes, you're from the south, aren't you? I said, whoa, what? Are you kidding me? No one ever tells me I'm from the south, right? I've been, I've been from somewhere else for quite some long, but I came to the south to, you know, to be an ambassador of the north to help you guys. No, I'm just kidding. But when we go to some other place in the world, we're going as ambassadors of Christ. But the truth is, we're ambassadors of the U.S. as well. I tell people all the time, please don't judge all other Americans 
by meeting me. They're not all like me. A lot of them are really cool and they're really nice people. So please don't judge all those people by meeting me. But it happens, right? We're ambassadors wherever we go. We have to leave home to become an ambassador, and that's what we do. And so our challenge, our first challenge from Hebrews chapter 1 is we must abandon home. We must do that in order to be, to live as a, as a new citizen and be a foreigner. In verse 12, or in verse, or excuse me, in, in verse 9, we see by faith he dwelt in a land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents. Dwelling in tents. The second big point we see is that we have to avoid roots. Abraham avoided roots. He abandoned home. He avoided roots. He lived in a land of promise, but he lived as a foreigner. He moved from place to place. He didn't build houses. Right? He didn't build cities. He didn't build kingdoms. He lived in temporary housing. In the same way, we must avoid the things that join us to this world. We must watch out for the values of the world, the pleasures of the world, the pitfalls of the world that would like to entangle us and snare us and make us feel like we belong here, like we're connected to this world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 challenges us, do not love the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. All the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God passes forever, or abides forever. The world is temporary. Its pleasures, passions, benefits, glories, it all passes away. Why would someone want to spend their time and their life pursuing the things that are temporary when eternal reward, eternal joys, eternal fulfillment is available? Because the world calls us and tells us that we're citizens of this world. That's why we find ourselves locking down and doing things that don't have any value eternally, but that have value, it seems, here. We must remind ourselves that we are citizens of heaven, of an eternal kingdom, and avoid the draw to plant roots here in this world and build our own kingdoms. We must replace the old world's na appetites, the na old nat nature's appetite for the things of the world, the new nature's desire to know God, love God, and obey God. I said this before, but um, as we think about avoiding roots, I, ca I can't imagine what it would be like. I mean, when I go, when I take teams internationally, we invest in their economy. We rent cars. We buy food. Right? We, we find a place to stay, and we usually rent a place to stay. We invest in what's there, but my long-term investments aren't in the countries that I'm going to visit. I'm not buying houses. I'm not buying cars. I'm not asking if what their 401k program, 401k program looks like. Hey, what's the retirement program look like here? What kind of things can I invest in here in your country? I, I don't do that. Because I'm not, I'm, I'm not planting roots there. I'm planting roots back home in my citizen country. And the same is true of us as we look at well, are, we, are we planting roots here in the world or are we planting roots and investing in the future? Are we taking our time, our energy, our money, our resources and investing in the things that are temporary, that are passing, that don't matter? Are we taking our time and energy and money and investing in the things that really last? Just like Abraham, we need to avoid, abandon home, we need to avoid the roots. But in verse 9, it goes on. Says Abraham was living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, 
the heirs with him of the same promise. And this brings me to my next thought, to associate with others. Abraham showed us he needed to abandon home. He needed to uh, avoid roots. He needed to associate with others. Hebrews says it this way, and I love, oh, Hebrews says it this way. I wanted to read this verse. I love this verse. It says, let us hold fast that confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. I love this, this verse only because it tells us what's the most important part, holding fast that confession of our hope without wavering. It's essential that we hold on to our hope that is ultimately coming, that is now and will be. I have eternal life now, and ultimately someday I will again. I will in a permanent sense. But that comes by encouraging one another to go on to good works. I need somebody else to remind me, hey, you're not a citizen here. You're not a citizen here. Live like, you, like you're a citizen of heaven. Live like you're investing in the things that matter. I need other people to do that. And so we stir each other on to love and good works. And we do that by spending time together. Like we do this morning. But this isn't even enough. If you're assembling together is something you do on Sunday morning from 10.30 to 11.30 or 12 o'clock, and that's your, the, the only interaction you're having, you're going to have a hard time being good at being a citizen of heaven because the world calls you constantly. As we spend time with others who are also aliens, Ephesians 2 says, strangers, foreigners, Ephesians 2 says, in this world we're, we're now citizens and saints and members of the household of God, we can remind ourselves of our calling, our confession, our hope, our purpose and love, and motivate each other to the good works for the permanent things. When we are together, and here's the other side of it, we're more able to stand against the schemes of the devil who desires to destroy us. See, the prince of the power of the air is the prince of the power of this world. And he longs for us to invest in this world. What I find interesting as I take my trips with the teens is that um, we go to the market and Americans like move together. Like, you can be a total stranger to someone else, but because you look similar and sound similar, someone's like, oh, I hear somebody who's not speaking a weird language. They're not speaking Spanish when we're in Guatemala. And they're like, oh, hey, you must be from the U.S. Yeah, I'm from the U.S. Oh, really? What part? And we have conversation. It happens real, real quick, right? And it's, it's, not, even, it's not even a lot of work. We, we recognize right away that these people don't, they don't, they don't fit in this country either. You don't belong here either. We, we sound different. We look different. We, we behave different. And we kind of enjoy getting together. And it's kind of the same thing we're all looking at here. We ought to enjoy getting together because we're different than the other people. Not that we're better than. This is true on our trips too. When I go to Guatemala with my teens, we're not better than Guatemalans. That's not it. They're just different than us. And we recognize ourselves as strangers and them as citizens. And so we, we love them, we care for them, we reach out to them, we, we try to help them. But when it's time to get together, we like to spend time with people that are like us. We also spend time, uh, and this is more important, we spend time for teen Bible study. When we, I take my teens out, we, do our, we get together as a group. And we have a Bible study and we encourage each other. And we think, th think through the day. What events did we see? What conversations did we have? How was our life impacted today? Right? So that tomorrow we can do it all over again. So tomorrow we can be encouraged and strengthened. We talk and we go on trips about culture shock. And it would happen apart from those kind of conversations, apart from those times of debriefing and encouragement. So it's the same way with 
us as believers, we need to abandon home, we need to avoid roots, we need to associate with others. But there's one more thing that I think Abraham did, and he did really well. And it says in verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And Douglas, I appreciate you singing that song earlier today because it really reminds us, oh, I just hit the wrong button and I shut us down. There it is again. My bad. We're called to anticipate heaven, right? Abraham kept his focus on a city and he had a focus on a builder and a maker. He anticipated something greater. If you then are, have been raised with Christ, Colossians tells us, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. If we've been raised with Christ, if we stand in his righteousness before the Father, if we are children of Christ because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we ought to be looking forward to the things of heaven. Our values should be the values of heaven. Our focus should be the focus of heaven. Christ talked about it constantly. He's out there praying, proclaiming the kingdom of God. Why? Because that was what his father wanted him to do. Our investments should be the eternal things of heaven, the things that will last for all time. As we walk through this world, through this life, our eyes, our minds should be looking back at home. And I think, again, my team members, we have this conversation typically around Wednesday of a week. We're going Saturday to Sunday, right about Wednesday, the team realizes we're halfway done. The trip's halfway over. And I always encourage them, don't think about it that way, because sometimes we check out and we start thinking about home. And it's pretty easy to do, because my bed is so much nicer than the bed I sleep at anywhere else in the world. Right? The food I eat at home is so much better. Not that it's better. Well, there's some places I go that's good, but it's just normal. It's what I'm familiar with. Right? I drive my car, not somebody else's car. I, I have all the things that are just, they're just my comforts, my couch, my house. Right? I'm excited to get back to what's normal for me. Right? I look forward to going home. It's constant. So I have to say to myself on Wednesday, hey, hey, it's good to be thinking about, about home, but we've got to maintain our task. We've got to maintain what we're here for. And I think it's one of the dangers as Christians, as believers, oftentimes we can start looking and thinking, oh, it's just about heaven and none of this matters, and that's not what God's called us to. God's called us to a ministry here. If you are alive right now, God has called you to a ministry here. I remind my wife, uh, who's a dental hygienist, and apparently she apparently cleans some of you guys' teeth. I don't know, there you go. Uh, she cleans some of everywhere we go, she runs into somebody. But I remind her, her, her ministry may not be to travel the world. She's been on many trips with me, but she has the opportunity to do ministry right there in her chair as she cleans people's teeth. Right? That's her mission. She uses that to present the gospel to the people that she interacts with. But here's the funny thing about heaven. Abraham kept his vision on a city, but Abraham also kept his vision on a builder. How foolish and weird would it be if as I was gone, my enthusiasm was for, man, I get to get back on my couch and sit on the couch and comfortably cover. It's awesome. Man, I just want to get out and mow the lawn again. Because it's my yard. Okay, I don't get excited about that, even when I am mowing. Right? But maybe uh, I get in my mind the excitement for the fact that I'm going to see someone. Right? I'm going to see my wife. 
I know at the end of this week, and it gets hard for me, especially on Fridays. Friday, ministry time ends per se, and the, kid, the people want to go shopping. And I am not a shopper. And we go to Antigua or we go to the market somewhere in the world, and the team is excited about shopping. I'm going, man, I just want to go home. I want to see my wife. I'm happy to be home to see my wife. Right? All those other things are great, but it's about a person. And I do want to challenge us as believers that as we live, as we look, and you hear people talking, and it's one of the things that really is kind of one of my, I guess, pet peeves with people when we talk about people passing. I remember my father passed away in 2006, and I was actually jealous and thinking, seeing Jesus now that's so cool right he's with him it's not about you know even even as I think about that someday I'm going to see my father again in heaven that's cool but man it pales in comparison right I'm not I'm not looking forward to seeing my family and my friends who've gone on before me although I'm excited about that but man someday I get to see Jesus what a cool thing I don't care about streets of gold or street of gold whichever the case might be be kind of cool but right is that the big deal i got a mansion set for me is that the big deal right i mean i'll have no pain is that the big deal that's heaven oh man we've been called to something greater than that and i want to challenge us guys as we think about anticipating heaven how do you anticipate heaven do you anticipate heaven by looking forward to the things that are going to be man my i mean we're getting older i can't see anymore right without glasses my wife and I can't even work out with one of us falling apart just this morning. <laughs> right? It's not the same as it used to be. We're getting old, falling apart. It's terrible. Do I look forward to an easier a body that's just better? Or do I really look forward to what's coming? And I want to challenge you guys. We anticipate heaven. You abandoned home. Have you guys left the passions and the things of this world? Have you, do you think about the things that motivate you and move you as you go through your day. Have you abandoned home? Do you feel yourself in the struggle of putting off the old natural man and putting on the new man every day and multiple times throughout the day? Do you avoid roots? Are you investing in the permanent things of heaven? Are you investing your time, your money, your energy, your resources in things that don't last? Or are you really thinking about the things that are going to someday forever I will say one of my fun things about American missions um, I take teams on trips and um, I, will, I will go to a church and I'll say hey we're going to go and we're going to meet with children we're going to play games with kids we're going to present Jesus Christ to the kids we're going to give them Bible stories and teach them Bible verses and have fun with the kids and the church inevitably someone's going to say well what, what's our project and I'll say okay we'll paint a wall just to make you feel good right because we'll have a project to do. No, what's the project? The wall will need painted again six months from now, a year from now. Matter of fact, I've been just last week. I was with, uh, you guys know Eric Christensen. Some of you guys might know him. I was with him in Guatemala two weeks ago. And I saw, I saw a painting that was painted in 2010 from one of my team members. And I thought it was so cool. I sent him a picture. I'm like, dude, it's still there. Because so much of the rest of it has already been painted over many, many times. Right? The projects. Is that what's important? No, man. The kids. The families. The people, all of them are important because they're eternal. That's where our ministry is. We avoid those roots. What do we seek for? Do you associate with others? Obviously, you're here this morning, but are you being sharpened by others in the church? Do you come and do your time, or do you actually allow yourself to have engagements with people that say, you know something, 
I'm going to have some struggles. I need somebody to step alongside me and help me out. I, 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 don't, I, I find myself living after the things of this world. I find myself kind of setting in setting some roots here. I need somebody else to help me out, to remind me that there's something else, to remind me that I'm a citizen of heaven. Do you have those kind of relationships? Are you spending enough time with others to be challenged, corrected, encouraged, motivated? And of course, do you anticipate heaven as Abraham did? Are you excited each day about the possibility of going to heaven? Today might be the day. Today might be the day. We don't know. Are you excited about that? Are you looking forward to seeing our Savior face to face? Here's the thing I will tell you. Others should hear it in the things that we say. At work, it's not hard to talk about the things we value. It's not hard. You talk about your family. You talk about maybe your vacation. You might even talk about your favorite football team. I won't mention which one because I might get myself in trouble because I'm probably in a, in a minority here. Right? We don't have any problem talking about those things. Those things come very natural. But do people hear you talking about your citizenship? When we go internationally with my teams, they hear us talking about home. They hear us. They ask us questions about where we're from. They ask us questions about where we're from because they see that in, in the things that we're talking, the way in which we talk. Does that happen to you at work? Do people hear these things in your words? I pray that God would help us to live lives of faith like Abraham did, that we'd be strangers and pilgrims in this world and function like citizens of heaven. Can I pray with us? Can I do that? Let's pray. Our Father, God, I just thank you so much for your love for us. God, I thank you for the example you've given us through Abraham. As God, you called him to another country and he 